On May 25th, the City of Calgary joined the ranks of a growing number of communities taking a stand against conversion therapy and actually crafting a bylaw banning the practice of conversion therapy. This didn't come without some controversy, though. To help understand the controversy and some of the history behind it, we reached out to Dr. Christopher Wells. Dr. Wells has an extremely well-established history of advocating for better protections for the LGBTQ community and was one of the subject matter experts consulted by the City of Calgary during the crafting of the new bylaw that has banned the practice of conversion therapy in Calgary. So welcome to a special edition podcast, pop-up podcast version of The Breakdown. There's been some significant developments in the city of Calgary in regards to conversion therapy. And this last week, we saw the culmination of a several months effort to actually ban conversion therapy in the city of Calgary. So we're very, very fortunate to be joined today by Dr. Christopher Wells. Thank you so much for, for popping on the show today, Dr. Wells. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. So to start with, can we get a little bit of a, a sort of a, a backgrounder on you uh, and how your work, what is your work with, with conversion therapy uh, and what's your background with that to the extent that you're comfortable talking about? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always think a couple important things to know about me is uh, born and raised in uh, Alberta and uh I began my career as a classroom teacher and really went back to university after um, having the the honor and the privilege to work with LGBTQ youth in the local community and uh, wanted to find a a language, a lens to understand uh, what their experiences were were like and how we could create uh, safer schools and communities uh, for them so that they could move from simply trying to survive hostile hallways to a place where they could uh, thrive and and that got me uh, into graduate school and um, um, had the good fortune of uh, being offered a position uh, to start my career at the University of Alberta and recently uh, moved over to McEwen University in Edmonton and uh, took up uh, McEwen's first Canada Research Chair on the public understanding of sexual and gender minority youth. And um, so uh, a lot of my, my research and my teaching and my, my community work is centered around uh, supporting LGBTQ youth, um, how do we move them from being at risk to resilient. And um, that has led me, uh, you know, recently into the area of uh, conversion therapy, working with many municipalities and different levels of government uh, across Canada to uh, help them uh, mobilize uh, legislation to uh, end this abusive practice. Excellent. Did you have any role specifically with the uh, Calgary bylaw that was passed? Yeah, the Calgary uh, administration, city administration, brought me in early in the process to uh, provide them with um, research and uh, expertise uh, on uh, advising the creation of their bylaw and uh, uh, the materials that um, they were able to present uh, back to the public and council and. Uh, I was also part of the uh, public uh, hearings that were held and the 121 uh, speakers um, uh, and was invited from time to time to uh, provide some comments uh, on the research and uh, policy uh, um, that's out there surrounding uh, conversion therapy. So um, I I guess they would call it um, serving as their subject expert matter on the issue. Excellent. Um, so the the concept of conversion therapy is uh, arguably poorly understood by 
certainly large segments of the the general public, as it's something that it's not necessarily something that large segments of the general public are necessarily exposed to. So, and it, from what I understand, it's also a very very broad term. So, can you define conversion therapy for for our audience? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I when uh, you know this issue often comes up, I think the reaction of uh, Canadians is usually. One of two things, uh, people are, are surprised to know that conversion therapy is an actual thing that's been practiced. And secondly, they're often shocked and outraged uh, that it's still happening. So conversion therapy um, you know, goes, goes by many names from uh, reparative therapy, reorientation therapy to, um, you know, the, a gay cure somehow that, uh, you know, homosexuality is an illness that uh, can be cured and people can be changed, um, to um, what's, you know, now uh, often called uh, to be sexual orientation or gender identity uh, change efforts. And so that's exactly, you know, what falls under the umbrella of conversion therapy is, um, as it's defined often in legislation, is any uh, effort to change a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression you know, the techniques have ranged from, um, you know, uh, practices such as electric shock therapy to uh, chemical castration uh, to lobotomy in the past that were performed uh, on uh, gay, lesbian uh, individuals. Uh, Alan Turing is one of the most famous examples of someone who was subjected to conversion therapy, you know, through um, chemical castration. Um, that uh, led him to uh, take his own life. Um, you know, this was imposed on him by the British uh, 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 government and the police. Um, and you know, here's one of the, you know, the most famous uh, scientists in the world, uh, often known as the uh, the inventor, the father of the modern computer. He was a code breaker in in World War II that uh, helped the Allies uh, defeat Germany. Um, you know, who knows what kind of talents and gifts that uh, humanity has lost because he took his own life. Um, you know, so those are practices in the past, and and, and we heard many people uh, rightly denounce those as being, you know, unethical and uh, immoral practices. Uh, but, um, you know, the modern practices today um, can be equally as uh, harmful and damaging, often through things like talk therapy or um uh, uh gender coaching um regressive role play um where they try to take you back to being an infant and where you know the the belief is that there's something wrong with your parenting that has suppressed your identity and caused you to be uh an lgbtq person um to things like uh exorcisms that are still uh performed um to rid out uh, gay demons um you know, other things like extreme fasting and uh, isolation techniques. And, and we know that uh, uh, there are still uh, conversion therapy camps and uh, programs that are, are in operation uh, across North America. It, from, from what you're describing, it sounds like one of the fundamental assumptions with conversion therapy is that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. Is that a safe statement? Yeah, absolutely. That really gets to the heart of the matter that, um, you know, there's something wrong with being an LGBTQ person. So, you know, it starts from that that uh, premise um, that it's sinful, immoral, pathological, it's a disease that it needs to be cured. You know, the misnomer is actually calling it therapy at all. It's, it's not therapy. Uh, it's more akin to a form of, of torture as been uh, described by the survivors of conversion therapy. 
you know, and it can range from, uh, you know, mild to extreme uh, forms of, uh, of uh, intervention and uh, abuse. Is there any evidence, um, just to, to discuss both sides of the issue, is there any, any evidence uh, that you're aware of, of a, a harm-free form of conversion therapy that has any sort of efficacy? No, there there isn't, and there's uh, you know an overwhelming uh, you know consensus from the research, scientific, and medical community that uh, conversion therapy is uh, nothing more than a lie. It's a fraudulent, uh, unscientific, deceptive, and dangerous practice. It's uh, it's not supported by research. There's no there's no proof that uh, you can reliably change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. And I think that actually the most telling statements come from the people who've practice conversion therapy. There are now nine ex-gay leaders who led organizations that uh, promoted and practiced conversion therapy that have come out denouncing it as uh, fraud. Many of these leaders have said uh, that uh, not one person who's entered into their program has actually been changed or cured. Um, And many of them have publicly apologized for the damage that uh, their organizations have done. So here are the leading proponents of conversion therapy that are the ones now who are denouncing it as a completely fraudulent, uh, unethical practice that doesn't support people but damages them. Okay. So there's there's really little to no argument. Well, I would say no argument personally, but that's my own bias. Uh, there's there's no argument whatsoever that that conversion therapy provides any sort of positive therapeutic benefit for the people who undergo it. Certainly not from the established medical or, or professional or scientific community. It's a bit like um, you know climate change is a denial. There's a 99% consensus, and people want to point out uh, the 1% as though that has uh, uh, you know any validity. Sure, you know you can find a you know a study here or there that might support uh, a very narrow claim, but that doesn't represent the you know the overwhelming consensus or the the opinion. In fact, it's why governments across the world are taking action against conversion therapy because it's uh, it's dangerous, uh, it's not supported by science or research, and it's harmful. What would you say are, in your experience, with, with talking with not only the, the victims of conversion therapy, but uh, the, the proponents of it, what would you say is the, the biggest single misconception that people have it, 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 that causes them to have resistance to uh, the kind of bans that the city of Calgary enacted this week. I think for for many that somehow believe that this is still a legitimate practice, you know, it, it may have been deemed that way at one time in society, but certainly not in uh, 2020. Um, and so I think there's still a lot of misunderstandings around that, and I also think that a lot of people um, still. Um, um, see conversion therapy very much as a religious practice and, and believe that, um, you know, religious freedom somehow should allow these forms of abuses to continue to happen. You know, um, I've heard many people speak quite eloquently and compare, you know, conversion therapy to, you know, the terrible legacy and damage that residential schools inflicted, right? That was part of the colonial project that was, quote-unquote, designed to beat the Indian out of the child. And, you know, not only did it try to erase any, um, you know, indigenous heritage, culture, or language, it also uh, sought to 
um, erase uh, any non, uh, you know, heterosexual or gender traditions uh, as well. You know, so it was all about, uh, you know, conversion, and it was much of that was done under the name of, uh, you know, religion. So, um, I, you know, I think that that um, is still where you see the most support for uh, conversion therapy. But it's 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 unless I'm mistaken, there were uh, faith-based advocates against conversion therapy who not only spoke in Calgary advocating for the the bylaw banning conversion therapy, but that sentiment was also shared uh, in other jurisdictions like Edmonton. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, and that's really important to highlight. Um, you know, in Calgary, 44 faith leaders from many denominations you know, came together and uh, issued a public statement in support of the bylaw that it did not conflict with their religious freedoms. And in fact, that conversion therapy has no place uh, within any religion community that, you know, the goal should be to accept and affirm people for who they are and support them, not try to, you know, condemn or change them um, to be able to find, uh, you know, a a place uh, of community and worship. So um, I think that was really important, and that uh, was quite pivotal in, um, uh, you know, changing the minds of uh, lots of uh, city councillors and individuals in the community because, you know, it showed that, um, you know, that uh, conversion therapy is not necessarily supported by, you know, religious practices uh, or, you know, Christian traditions or beliefs. Perfect. Um, One of the other questions that I wanted to, to ask is is the the two largest municipalities in Alberta have now uh, enacted bylaws banning conversion therapy? Is is this something that you can see um, going continuing on uh, with smaller? Like there have been other smaller municipalities that have, have done it as well. Do you, can you see the other municipalities in Alberta and in in Canada uh, continuing to enact these bylaws progressively now that there's some momentum building with us? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think that's also one of the reasons you saw such uh, resistance to the bylaw in Calgary uh, from uh, all across Canada, you know, individuals who sent letters to city council. Um, It's because this is very much uh, gaining momentum and becoming part of a a larger national trend. We now have uh, seven municipalities in Alberta that have passed conversion therapy prohibition bylaws. Um, and, uh, you know, the first started in Vancouver in 2018. Um, so, uh, for example, Saskatoon is also in process of establishing a bylaw. Lethbridge is, uh, um, developing a bylaw that will be brought back to city council fairly soon as well. So, um, we've heard from, uh, other municipalities across the province and indeed other, uh, provinces are beginning to take action. There are, are three provinces now with specific legislation uh, on on the books, including uh, Ontario, PEI, and uh, Nova Scotia, and there's two um, who've introduced legislation, including New Brunswick and most recently the Yukon. Um, you know, so uh, that's uh, also part of the trend, and and that at the provincial level, the legislation usually focuses on uh, regulating uh, health uh, professionals, so that um, it's clear that. Um, you know, conversion therapy is um, not supported within uh, the healthcare professional medical community, and also that um, you know billing codes for uh, public and private healthcare insurance uh, no longer support uh, conversion therapy. 
uh, as well. And uh, certainly at the federal level, uh, at the beginning of March, we saw the um, Canadian government uh, introduce Bill C-8, which seeks to criminalize uh, the practice of uh, conversion therapy um, in Canada, which would be um, uh, one of the uh, few nations in the world that have uh, passed such uh, comprehensive legislation. But that's still at uh, the very early stages, only at uh, first uh, reading in uh, Parliament. Is there any sort of law or legislation in Alberta that you're aware of that limits or bans the practice of conversion therapy at a provincial level? Nothing in Alberta. And, uh, you know, this came back uh, as an issue when the NDP government uh, was in power um, and uh, the approach that they took was to establish a working group to, you know, look at the issue in more depth and to provide recommendations. And, of course, uh, the government changed and uh, one of the first things that happened with the UCP government was uh, disbanding that working group, which happened about a year ago, and since that time have uh, repeatedly publicly indicated that um, they feel there is no need to pass provincial legislation to uh, address the area of uh, conversion therapy. And obviously, uh, many municipalities feel differently. So it's not surprising that uh, when provincial governments fail to show leadership uh, that uh, municipalities step up um, and say, um, well, if uh, the provincial government's not going to take action, then we'll take action to protect uh, and support uh, residents in our own community. And and uh, I think that's very much been uh, the story here in Alberta. And many people in the rest of uh, Canada actually look at uh, Alberta as the epicenter of uh, this conversion therapy prohibition movement uh, because of what's been happening with so many uh, municipalities. But not unlike what we saw happen in the United States when Trump was elected, many of uh, major cities in the, the U.S. Uh, rose up and uh, said, uh, not in our uh, community uh, will we allow um, these federal policies to happen that come after the undocumented um, citizens um, and uh, identified themselves as safe cities or sanctuary cities and did everything within their power to uh, protect their residents from what they saw as uh, hostile uh, and uh, discriminatory policies. Given, and forgive me if I'm editorializing just a little bit here, um, given that Alberta now stands the... Um, less than desirable distinction of being the only province in the history of Canada to roll back protections for LGBTQ youth. Um, do you see any possibility that the, the building municipal momentum might push the, the provincial government to approach things differently? I would hope so, um, because you know clearly, um, you know the government should be listening to the people, and uh, you know the people in this these municipalities have spoken very loud and clear that uh, conversion therapy should have no place in their their community, uh, especially when we see um, you know some of the largest cities in Alberta taking action. That does send a, a pretty strong and clear message, and in fact, many of the municipalities as they pass their their own bylaws sent letters to the provincial and federal governments urging them to take action as well. You know, we really believe that uh, every level of government has a role to play when it comes to ending conversion therapy, um, and each has different uh, powers, um, you know, granted to them, so each can take a, a different approach. And ideally, legislation at the municipal, the provincial, and the federal level 
will provide uh, the strongest uh, protections when, uh, you know, those are all um, in alignment, um, you know, working uh, together to um, ensure that there are no loopholes or no ways uh, around the legislation um, and that that might exist. So I think that's the most comprehensive approach. I, I'm hoping that um, the Alberta government will uh, reconsider its stance. In fact, I don't see what they have to lose by passing conversion therapy legislation and, and quite frankly politically it would be in their best interest to show um you know support for the lgbtq uh, community when they have been you know heavily criticized as you mentioned rightly uh, for rolling back important protections and supports for lgbtq youth when it comes to policies and and gay straight alliances um you know this um it, it wouldn't cost them a lot but it would actually go a long way to uh perhaps improving uh, their reputation. Okay. Do you see, I mean, given that this is your, the the youth LGBTQ issues is, is really your wheelhouse, do you see any pathway to uh, restoration, if not strengthening, of the, the protections around LGBTQ youth? My understanding is that um, arguably, for somebody who is LGBT, LGBTQ, um, it is the the younger years that are the most um, dangerous. Is the word that I'll cautiously use. Um, is do you see any pathway to to building more supports for kids at risk? You know, absolutely. There's uh, you know increased vulnerability when we talk about both ends of the life cycle. When we talk about youth and seniors, and uh, you know, we need to do more to support uh, both LGBTQ youth and LGBTQ uh, seniors as well. Many who report having to go back into the closet, um, you know, as they enter into care facilities that are not safe um, or hostile to their identities. So, um, you know, I I absolutely share those concerns. You know, I'm optimistic um, that um, you um, we have to work with um, whatever government is is in power and do the best we can to uh, bring, uh, you know, an informed and evidence-based perspective uh, that's supported by research. You know, uh, ideally, that's how policy should be made is is um you know in the best interests uh, uh of our our citizens informed by you know uh, the best science and evidence and research uh, uh available um you know unfortunately uh, this government hasn't shown much uh openness or willingness to work with the lgbt community uh meet with the community um you know talk about these issues uh, talk about a path forward you know, find common ground. Um, I think, you know, that's really important. And I think we saw that relationship shift quite a bit um, with uh, the Alberta government in the past, starting with Alison Redford, you know, who was elected um, and began to meet for the first time the Alberta government did with uh, the LGBT community to put issues on the table. And that's when we really started to see uh, change happen uh, in this province. I think what people forget is Alberta is one of the youngest provinces in Canada, um, average age of 36 years old, right? And uh, the vast majority of young people support LGBTQ issues. And so do those who are, uh, you know, uh, more urban and uh, educated. And that's the profile of our province. Unfortunately, 
our uh, electoral boundaries don't uh, adequately, you know, necessarily represent um, what are the, um, you know, the beliefs of the majority of Albertans, um, you know, and that's uh, always an issue when it comes to um, politics. So, um, you know, um, I've offered to meet with uh, the Kenny government to talk about a path forward on conversion therapy. I know um, many uh, other community members would be... Uh, uh, you know, perhaps willing to meet uh, as well. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, the only alternative is to wait this government out and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, elect a government that's going to be more responsive to uh, the needs of uh, vulnerable Albertans, not just on the LGBTQ issue, but, um, you know, in on many other issues that we've seen, those who have disabilities, those who um, you know come from different uh, cultural and linguistic backgrounds, um, you know we're seeing um, many in our artists, uh, artistic and creative communities who are feeling left behind by this government because of its policies, as well. So um, I guess we'll just have to uh, wait and see. Fair enough. If I can ask one more question, um, if there, given the, if you can. If, sort of visualize the 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 most standard uh archetype of the person who would be against conversion therapy if there's one thing that you you wish that they knew in order to provide them some greater context on the issue what 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 do you think that would be i would say we're talking about you know your sons your daughters your family members people you care about right lgbtq people are everywhere in every faith every culture every community in the world. In fact, that's one of the, you know, the strengths of the community is they come from every other community. You might not be able to to see them or identify them because they're not visible, because they don't feel safe. But trust me, they're there. You know, uh, we've been there throughout time and throughout history. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think the, the best way always to... Um, you know, hopefully reduce prejudice or, or discrimination is by simply taking the time to get to know the other person, you know, and I don't think we do enough of that in the social media generation where everything's a tweet or a soundbite and, uh, you know, uh, try to have a conversation on social media of any substance and you quickly see how, how it uh, degenerates and becomes, you know, uh, a flame war rather than, um, you know, actually getting to know and care about the other person. Um, you know, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's, you know, it's the importance of community and coming together. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, I want to thank you again for, for being as generous as you have been with your, your time and speaking with our, our silly little show here. Um, so thank you very much for that. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, the invitation. And uh, there's there's so much more we could be uh, talking uh, about. So uh, I hope to be able to come back sometime. Definitely. We will we will definitely be keeping in touch. Thank you so much. And uh, this has been a special pop-up podcast edition of The Breakdown. There are still a lot of municipalities and jurisdictions across Alberta and Canada that haven't banned conversion therapy. So if you're someone who supports a ban, start writing your elected officials and letting them know how you feel. And while there's been no indication from the provincial government of Alberta that they have any interest in addressing conversion therapy or revising their stance on GSAs, you aren't wrong to write your MLA and let them know where you stand. 
As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we produce here at The Breakdown, please consider signing up as one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. Even a small pledge of $5 a month helps us to keep producing the kind of content that we do and to get to the places where these stories take place. Also, if you're inclined, please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, as every rating helps us reach more people. This has been another pop-up podcast edition of The Breakdown.